This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. There is so much going on in college football. So TJ and I are going to start there. Um, TJ, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley. I mean, it, it, it. two guys that I didn't see making the move that they made. I thought if either of those guys were going to make a move, it would have been to test out the NFL. For Lincoln Riley to leave Oklahoma and go to USC – I could see that as being a a new challenge, a step up. Um, you know, uh, you could see that in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. and it it makes sense for him. It's and, and I'm also curious is did is he just worried about going to the SEC uh, because Oklahoma is in a conference where they're going to win it nearly every single year in the Big Twelve, and going to the SEC it's not going to be that way. I'll leave that one out there for a second, but. Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to go down to LSU. One is not like the other. Notre Dame is a destination program. Yeah. LSU, it's not the same destination. Were you shocked? Uh, majorly, yeah. I like you said. I mean, you USC is still. I know they haven't been, you know, great for some time now, but that's still a main brand. You know, uh, college football, right? Tradition, yeah. history. You could see that being a big attraction for coaches. So you get that, right? And you mentioned Oklahoma. Obviously, their season fell apart this past week. Head to the SEC. That's a big challenge. That's a really big challenge. Um, but yeah, Brian Kelly. Uh, <laughs> going down to the SEC when you're coming from Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame is like a, a dream come true, I think, for coaches, right? You yeah. It's a premier program. You're independent. Uh, you get to play whoever the hell you want. Uh, you look at them this year. They've still got a shot to get in the playoffs, and, and they haven't really played anybody. You know, they beat Wisconsin. That's their best win yeah. this year. And you're talking about them being a top-five team. Why the hell would you want to leave that? And it doesn't seem like it's about money. I guarantee you, you know, if if he went back and Notre, Notre Dame would have paid him, yep. you know, they've got the money to pay him. It sounded like there was maybe some riff of, well, he didn't get the athletic facility he wanted. He didn't get this, and he asked for this. And it's like, well, what? <laughs> like, it, I, I don't know. It, it was absolutely shocking last night when I heard that. 
uh, Brian Kelly leaving, like you said, uh, there wasn't really any openings in college football that you could make sense of him going to. I thought, like we talked about, maybe testing out the NFL, maybe getting back in the NFL and doing something there. But um, it sounds like Notre Dame fans are and alumni and boot. I mean, they are completely shocked, shocked, blindsided, whatever you want to say. It just, I can't really think of a reason to make it make sense. So the only thing that I could think of is one, it's maybe he just felt like, you know what? I've done everything I can really do here. He's all time winning as coach at Notre Dame. Um, and I just, I, I need a new setting. I need a new scene. I need a new situation to, you know, revitalize him um, and try and test his ability to build a program. And, and it's not like you're going to have to go there and build it from the ground up. This is a right. team. This is a program that's only two years removed from maybe the greatest college football team of all time. Yeah. Um, but he's 11 and one. And we're having the conversation of backdooring into the college football playoffs. And in this year's college football playoffs, I believe you're going to have a one-loss Michigan. You'll probably have an undefeated Georgia, an undefeated Cincinnati, and then another one-loss team. Right? Because that's four. No, that's three. That's four. My math is Cincinnati, Michigan, Georgia, and then... Yeah, uh, either Oklahoma State or Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, so you're going to have two one-loss assuming, teams. Assuming Alabama loses this week to Georgia, yes. Right. Yes, uh, I struggled with my math there. Yeah. Um, but this is this is a Notre Dame team that, it, and I think we'll both agree, it's not the greatest Notre Dame team of all right. time. But they're 11-1, and one and they can't get into the college football playoffs. Some point, that's got to be frustrating for, um, you know, for Brian Kelly so now he's going to go because Notre Dame's never going to go into a conference. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, Brian Kelly says, well, you know what? If we're not going to go into a conference, I've been here 11 years. I'm the all-time winningest coach. There's not much more I can do here. I'm going to go to LSU. I'm going to go into a conference so that I know if I go through a season and I have one loss, but if I win my conference, I'm still going to get a shot at the college football playoffs. I get that, and you probably have a better chance of doing it as a one-loss team in the SEC than you do staying at Notre Dame. But I don't want to get my math wrong here. I think Notre Dame has the second or third most college football playoff appearances the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah but, of, but he's always in this argument. Yeah, but he's always in this argument. Is it is, So is it just for you feel like you can do better recruiting down there? Is it feel like being in the SEC gives you a better advantage? Because you look at them in the playoff appearances they've had, uh, you know, recently the last 10 years i mean they've they haven't gotten over the hump you could tell there's been a big talent uh differential between them and alabama or even them and clemson clemson right um Mm -hmm. but they've had chances to get in the playoffs i think they've they've been in the playoffs what three times now yeah and maybe a chance to go four this year i mean but the pressure of having to go undefeated to get in well that's you know what Start scheduling the tougher games. <laughs> I mean, you, well, you've got that choice, right? If you're yeah, going to go to LSU, they do, and the, they do have USC on the schedule, okay, which yeah. traditionally it used is, to be worth something. Yeah, you know, Michigan. You know, they used to play Michigan every year. They used to play Michigan State. Yeah, what every other year? And mm-hmm. I don't know what their future schedule looks like, but um, I just think it's an incredibly tougher path to try to get to the playoff down in the SEC, especially when you look at what Georgia and Alabama have been doing yeah. uh, the last couple of years. 
Alabama's the king, and LSU, yes, they did win a couple years ago with Joe Burrow, just one of those magical seasons. But you look at them this year, and it's just, and even last year, and you're like, what the hell happened to LSU? You know, <laughs> what happened to them? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know, man. I think if that's the argument that you want to get into the playoff and you want to have a better chance down in the SEC to to win the championship. It's a tougher path. I think it's a tougher path than than what he had going at, at Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, but you also have a better margin for error. Um, at, in, in the SEC, you could take a loss because they're going to play every single year. They're going to play Alabama, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Auburn. And then you're going to have a crossover game. And so it is – I think it's – it, it's on, on a year-in, year-out basis, it's probably tougher. Uh, to run that gauntlet, but you also do have a margin for error where you could lose a game, still win your division, right? And if you win your your you know if your conference championship game, you're going to be in the college football playoffs. Yeah, I, and I don't think a loss means as and, much in the SEC as it does uh, maybe at Notre Dame. Notre right. Dame that loss to Wisconsin it was early in the year and it's still hurting them. Cincinnati. You know, I'm sorry, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah that's still hurting them and. Uh, yeah, you look at Alabama, they lost, feels like around the same time to A&M, and they're still sitting there at the top four, too. So, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. I mean, the SEC, uh, you, you can afford you can afford to have a loss and uh, still not have your season ruined unless it comes, you know, late in the season. But even, I mean, you even look at, you know, flip-flop LSU with maybe Georgia. Let's say they're under, even if Georgia loses this week to Alabama, they're still going to be in the playoff, you know. Yep. So that one loss... I hear what you're saying. That one loss in the SEC doesn't carry as much weight uh, as it does yeah. at Notre Dame. Maybe you have a little bit more leeway to because and and look at it. You're also playing. You're not. It's not like Notre Dame where you play. Uh, you know, Cincinnati, Wisconsin, and a bunch of cream puffs. You know, and in the, the SEC, you still have a chance. Okay, if we lose to Alabama, we can still go beat Auburn. We can still go beat Ole Miss. We can still yeah. go beat uh, any of these teams. You know, Georgia. If it, that's a crossover game, you can still have a chance to get those uh, premier wins to get your name back into it. I just think it's a it's a it's a tough challenge. Yeah, and we went through this whole and entire exercise just because we're trying to figure out why you would leave Notre Dame to go to LSU. <laughs> just seems I, like I, just dream job, man. It does. And he talked about, like, that was his dream job. Yeah. And I don't understand why that happened. Uh, obviously, Lincoln Riley going from Oklahoma to uh, to USC, that was announced earlier this week. And um, don't know that there's a great way for a breakup. Um, and and you know what? When, when a coach leaves, because players now have the ability to transfer. Yeah. They have the ability to capitalize on name, image, and likeness. And, you know, I mean, those are kind of different topics, but they have been given a lot of rights that they didn't have before. And a coach who decides to leave, like this is hiring season, so they're not going to wait till after the bowl game because there's a a national signing day early in December. There's another one in February, but you got to sign those kids in December. Is there a good way for a coach to leave a program because I, I do want to read you one thing that that coach Kelly sent out he sent a text to his team and it's simply because there's no secrets in this world anymore as soon as something happens <laughs> as soon as somebody knows it, they hit social media yeah. and it travels around the world in less than 60 and seconds there's no loyalty anymore right if you're leaving okay yeah you know what's my loyalty to 
I wouldn't want him to stay. I mean, I have, I have not heard uh, you tell me this yet. I'm excited to see yes. what his what his text message, message said to the guys that he's quite frankly leaving in the dust. Yes. So this is uh, Coach Kelly's uh, text to his team after they all found out in different ways that he was already taking the LSU job. His text reads, "Men." Let me first apologize for the late night text and more importantly for not being able to share the news with you in person that I will be leaving Notre Dame. I'm flying back to South Bend tonight to be able to meet with you in the morning, but the news broke late today and I'm sorry you found out through social media or news reports. I will have more to share when we meet tomorrow at 7 a.m., but for now, just know that my love for you is limitless. And I am so proud of all that you have accomplished. Our program is elite because of your hard work and commitment. And I know that will continue. I will share more in the morning when we meet. Again, my sincere apologies for not being able to be the one to share the news directly with you. Signed, Coach Kelly. So, And, and the reports were this morning that the, the meeting was held at 7 and Coach Kelly was seen walking out at about 7.03. Yeah, it didn't go well, huh? <laughs> I'm guessing not. Well, and you have to wonder. Yeah, I know there's obviously consequence and punishments, but do you think people showed up for that meeting? <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's fair to wonder, you know, if the group yeah. of seniors just, you you just felt like, you know, you're sitting here at 11 and 1, you got a chance to make history, and especially if you're a senior in that program, right? All you've given for four or five years, maybe six years, some of them, um, to have your coach just quit on you, not quit on you, but dump you, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks before, uh, you know, what, what's going to be your last game as a Notre Dame fighting. I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's gotta be incredibly difficult and it's gotta be incredibly difficult as a player to see the benefit or to, to understand the reasons of him leaving. Look, this isn't a, we've got a good coach at Eastern Michigan, right? Chris Creighton has done a phenomenal job at Eastern Michigan. He's won seven games this year, going to another bowl game, which is going to be their fourth in the last six years. Uh, they hadn't been to a bowl game since 1987. He's clearly proven himself to be a really, really good head coach. If he meets with the guys and says, you know what, guys, there's a Big Ten offering, there's you know a Pac-12 offering that they're looking at, you'd obviously be upset, but you can understand that. That's right. a jump that makes sense. Yes. Okay, coach is going, you know, he's going from, I don't know, you know, 500000 a year to maybe three, four million a year, right? That's a no-brainer, okay? You get that as a player. Um, that That's just the... That's the consequence of success at small schools. You know the coaches aren't going to stay there for long. They're going to get picked up. That's just, you know how it rolls. But if you're a player at a big-time program and you see your coach leaving you when you're 11-1 and on, a, on the border of potentially being a playoff team, going down to the SEC for a team that was just 6-6, six and six, I think that's... That's the struggle is the why, 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 you know, why, what, 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 what is wrong about here, coach? Look at what we've done the last 10 years. Look at what you've done the last 10 years and you're just going to leave it. I think as a player, man, that would be really tough to, uh, a make it all the way through that text message and B sit through a meeting where, you know, whatever he's going to spew is bullshit. Um, because there, there really is the, you don't care about, okay, great. They got a chance to go to the play. We do too, right? Yeah. What the hell's the difference? And 
Well, it's, and, it's and he's gonna, sad. Oh, man, you feel bad for those players because as players, you put so much hard work in, and you're taught about you know dedication and and all this and and being true to who you are and this and that and you know you're a Notre Dame man, and then your coach just ups and leaves, and it's uh, it's got to be a confusing time for a lot of those guys, I'm sure. And a lot of those guys sat in a room with their family and Coach Kelly, and I'm I I would bet, and I don't know how many kids did, but. The, a lot of them probably sat there with offers from Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, LSU, yeah. and Notre Dame. And, and, picked Notre and Dame. Brian Kelly sat there and said, here's why Notre Dame is better than all those schools, and here's why it's better than LSU. Yeah. And now those kids are sitting in that meeting, if they went, and said, you know, you, you sold us on the fact that this is the best place to come academically and athletically. And now you're leaving to go to a school that you just told us all of these different reasons why Notre Dame was better than LSU. Yeah. I, I think that's that's a hard sell. It's incredibly tough, but I'm also happy with the new transfer rules. I'm happy with the NIL because it at least lets the players make their own decisions that coaches have been doing for years. Yeah. Of as soon as you get a better offer, you're gone. There's no loyalty. When it comes to coaching, as soon as you get a better offer, those guys are gone. And there's some there's some very talented rosters with coaches that are leaving. Obviously, you know Clay Helton was was let go early in the season. I think right. It was after two weeks. So you've got a talented USC roster. You know, I know that they yeah. haven't been a top ten. You know, repeated in 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 the the recruiting rankings, but you've you've still got some talent out there. You've got Oklahoma. You've got Notre Dame. Well, you've o- got Florida. I think Oklahoma. It's going to be interesting, Oklahoma and Notre Dame, uh, to see which players leave. That, and I that's what I mean. Yeah, there's been talk about you know mentions of Caleb Williams wanting to transfer out of Oklahoma. Obviously, I think uh, Spencer Rattler. You know, he's I mean, he was gone. He's anyway. pretty much gone as soon as he got benched. Um, but yeah, it's just a mess. But I'm 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 glad the players actually finally get that choice. Yeah. Of Okay, coach is leaving. Screw it, man. I'm leaving too. Boom, I'm going here. Or, or even if you're at a different program, and you leave. I mean, coaches they, they talk about loyalty and dedicate. Like they, there's nothing from coaches. As soon as they get a better offer, they're gone. And I think that not every single one of them, but the majority of the guys, you get another job and they're going to double your salary. Are going to take it, right? Mm-hmm. And you understand that. Okay, it's probably smart, whatever. But, um. I'm glad the players at least have that option, too, of doing what's best for them. And I, I, don't be surprised. I'm curious as to how Lincoln Riley left his communication with, especially Caleb Williams, Yeah, because USC's looking for a quarterback. I'm wondering if all of a sudden a Lincoln Riley lands in USC and then Caleb Williams hits the transfer portal and, oh, look, he ends up at USC. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise anybody, right? <laughs> I uh, but think I think, yeah, I mean, USC, um, the good part is, you know, the Pac-12 has – is it Pac-10 or Pac-12? It's Pac-12, Pac-12 right? Yeah. yeah, I get those yeah. confused. Pac-8, Pac-10, Yeah, Pac-12. I get them confused. And um, nobody cares because they haven't been in the college football playoffs. No, you haven't done anything, right? But it's you're also in the Pac-12 where, okay, mm, you have Oregon. Uh, right. There's been links of – Maybe Oregon's coach, you know, looking at Miami, uh, yeah, you know, just saying. Played. I mean, the Pac-12 is not 
I don't know if it was ever a premier conference, you know, with conference the SEC of champions. And Big Ten, but yeah, maybe back in the seventies and eighties. But <laughs> <laughs> recently, you know, I don't. You know, you got Oregon, and then that's pretty much it, right? I think yeah, Utah's had a couple nice years here and there. Washington, maybe every once in a while, but yeah, that's a good place to go to kind of reestablish yourself and. Uh, I tell you what, he's got a lot better chance, I think, Lincoln Riley to succeed in the Pac-12 with USC than he would have at Oklahoma moving to the SEC. Yes. Well, and and how about this? Um, I think it's exactly what not just USC needs, but what the Pac-12 needs. Because look at what Nick Saban going to Alabama meant, and, and LSU before that, what it meant to the SEC in mm-hmm. elevating – you know, the, the coaching search that other universities did and elevating the level of competition in the SEC. Urban Meyer going to Ohio State. What did that do for the Big Ten? It made everybody, it, it changed how the Big Ten recruits, how right. the Big Ten plays. And I think, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley going to the Pac 12 could have that same effect because the Pac 12 hasn't had a seat at the table. And, and if not for Clemson, ACC would be left out. Mm-hmm. You're really looking at right now, and when Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12, you're looking at two conferences competing for national championships and dominating college football unless Lincoln Riley can resurrect USC because you've got the strength of the Big 10, you've got the strength of the SEC, and you don't have the ACC. You, I don't even know if you're going to have the Big 12 for very much longer. And the Pac-12 hasn't had a seat at the table for four years. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, this is uh, – I can't remember the last time this many big moves were made. Um, that's going to change the landscape of college football. Yeah. And you combine that with the fact that there's the transfer rule, there's the NIL stuff going on. I mean – yeah, I I hope it doesn't change a ton with college football, but yeah, um, it's going to change. There's a fear. I think there's a fear that uh, you know you're going to have basically. I mean, you've pretty much already had this, but you know, ten teams, eight teams competing that are just going to compete and be in the playoff every single year, and everybody else is just going to you know kind of have to be happy with you know, yeah. So whatever else. Well, and that, I think that's what kind of what makes this this year's college football season so unique and special. Uh, because other than Georgia, I mean, you're looking at right now if if the college football playoff committee said, you know what, the standard quo, uh, you know, is is going to hold. Georgia has been there before, but hasn't won it. Michigan is, you know, if they win the Big Ten Championship, they'll be in, haven't been to the college football playoffs. Cincinnati, if if the playoff committee, against my better judgment, decides to keep them in the top four, ha, uh, not only has a, a Cincinnati team never been in the college football playoffs, group of five team has never been in the college yeah. football playoffs, so that's going to be new. Alabama probably losing to Georgia, if that holds. Now you've got Oklahoma State. You've got, you know, uh, possibly the backdoor Notre Dame getting into, and they've been in it, but it's not like they've been in there every single year. It's not like Alabama and Clemson. So you're going to get a lot of new teams into the final four this year. And I think that's, I think it's good for college football. And that's also something that, you know, I kind of go back and forth is the transfers, the NIL, is it going to stack teams or is it going to even out? And I think that this year has really shown 
it's kind of evened out the playing field a little bit because maybe you get these kids that, you know, five-star recruits going to Alabama that don't want to sit for three years to play. Well, hey, let me go transfer over here to maybe little old Michigan State or yeah. little old Cincinnati and one of those schools, and maybe it, it, and it, it really has kind of this year evened out a little bit. But um, I know you got to get into this read. I do want to get into the playoff right now where we stand and where, what we think is going to happen tonight. Oh, yeah, let's go. But also what – what what's gonna happen this weekend too? I mean, oh. let's let's do this read. But I think yeah. Michigan, you obviously got to take care of business. They're sitting in a really nice spot though. Well, right and we need to talk about what happened last weekend in Ann Arbor, the college football playoffs, and what what is to come. And we're gonna get to that in just a second. So stay here. But uh, TJ, I know you want to get into the college football playoffs and what's happening on championship weekend. But let's just at least I need to. Um, you know, soak it all in one more day. <laughs> the fact that Michigan beat Ohio State and they beat them down offensively, defensively, special teams. They won in all three phases. They were the more physical team. And it didn't come down to, oh, we got to review this play. If it goes one way or the other, Michigan wins or Ohio State wins. There was no controversy. No. Michigan made it clear. They were the better team on Saturday. Mm-hmm and won the Big Ten East. They earned the right to go to the Big Ten Championship game. Hell yeah. It was kind of it was kind of a thumping too. I know it wasn't thumping. a blowout, but it was there was there was it was it was controlled. It was very controlled. And I think that uh man, it was impressive. I, you know, kind of watched the games in between watched the game in between my son's hockey games this weekend and um Man, it, oh man, it just—it's been so long, man. Oh, <laughs> it's been so I know. Long. Tell me it's about been it. So long. I mean, you know, Ryan Day, Ohio State hasn't lost a Big Ten game in what three years? Like, it's just like finally Goliath goes down, and in that fashion too. I mean, um, just the something different, right? We didn't see, uh, you know, the boring old style of football. Just you know power eye and run downhill it like the the creativity the passing plays the reverses uh getting the ball to the edge the way the defense play i mean it was it was beautiful to watch and i can't remember uh as a michigan fan you know the last time i really felt that way it's yeah. been a long time it may be i mean it may be when i was a kid going back to what you guys did in 97 you know, watching Ohio State and the Washington State. I mean, it was just incredible. Um, but, yeah, those guys, man, I mean, you Mike, talk about your best players uh, performing, you know, in the in the top, in, in the highest, uh, you know, game. I mean, it's just like the biggest, Hutch, stage. The biggest stage ever. Hutchinson, Haskins. Uh, McNamara, even though he, you know, threw the ball, what, 19 times. He had the one mistake, but after that, he controlled the game. Mm -hmm. uh, Corum, the offensive line, I mean, the the defensive backfield, the way that all of those guys just came in and played it, it looked like they knew they were going to win, the confidence that they played with. And I know you were there. I'm jealous. I wish I was there watching it on TV. It just seemed like uh, you had the weekend of off. What were you doing? My son had a hockey tournament. You know, priorities, kids. man. But uh, kids. <laughs> <laughs> it it uh, it seemed like one of those games that you're going to re remember forever. Oh and, yeah, uh, it was special. And I think that you know, there's there was a lot of things that I've said about Harbaugh this year. You know, the last couple of years, 
uh, just not winning the big game. And I think a lot of that was warranted. I think as oh, yeah. Michigan fans, you're definitely uh, the last couple of years have been a lot of frustration. Um, but the way that they just came out and dominated that football game, and and even battled through adversity too. I mean, you you look, they go down, they go up seven nothing, ready to go up two scores. You throw a pick, and for me, it was like, damn, that was a chance to you know yeah. really start getting a, get this game going. And it felt like that's where it was going to turn. And they hold Ohio State to a field goal, then they go down and score. It's just the way that they played was just something that you haven't seen for so long. It's everything that you thought. Michigan was going to be when Harbaugh got here. It took him a long time to do it, but they finally did it. And I can't, you know, I'd talk to you about, I can't, I really wish I was at that game. And that, that, I'm sure that, I'm sure that atmosphere was just incredible. And, and you talk about, it's been a long time and, and the criticism warranted that Jim Harbaugh hadn't been Ohio state, hadn't been to Indianapolis, hadn't won a division, you know, all of those things. Um, and my, my kids, my four oldest, 15, 14, 11, and 10. None of them remember Michigan's last victory because they were too young mm-hmm. or my, my, my youngest had just been born. Now I got one. He's about two <laughs> months old. He knows nothing <laughs> else than kicking the <laughs> out of Ohio State. That's the expectation That's, now yeah, for the little guy. <laughs> absolutely. It, uh, trust me, he was celebrating. He knew it. It's in his blood. He knew it. Yeah, it was impressive. And even, you know, go back and listen to the last five minutes of last week's podcast. We talked about yeah. uh, a couple ways that Michigan could win. Uh, we talked about what they had to do to, you know, not lose that game. And uh, both of us just talked about how that defense and specifically those DNs were going to have to dominate that game. And, they did. and boy, they did, man. Hutchinson, I'll tell you what, through about, I think, six or seven games this year, you know, you're watching him play and me individually. I'm like, okay, he's a really nice player. You know, you'd like to see a little bit more. And uh, what he's done the last really four games, I mean, you hear talks about him potentially being a top draft pick in the NFL, and he's deserving of it. I mean, mm-hmm. he has been an absolute game changer on the biggest stages when they had to have it. Penn State, Ohio State, even Michigan State, he played really well. Uh, but that game against Ohio State, man, that was that was a special kid doing some special mm-hmm. And that was he's, – he's deserving of everything that's going to come his way because he is – you can tell he is that workhorse. He's the – he's the he, you know, he's that – He's that bell cow. When he's going, the whole team's going. Yep. And, man, when he got off to that good start, had a couple sacks, hits on Stroud, that team felt that energy, man, and it, it carried over to the rest of the game. Well, there's a lot of reasons why I think both of us believe the Detroit Lions will have the number one overall pick, um, and simply because they have no wins. Um, they're going to have to win a couple of games to lose that, and I'm not sure that that's possible if – and it's really early, and and neither of us, and I don't know how much film you've been or had a chance to watch Kayvon Thibodeau, the guy out at Oregon. Um, if the Lions or when the Lions have the number one overall pick, would you be okay with them taking Aiden Hutchinson? I would, yeah. And I've watched, K- I, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I've seen every snap that Thibodeau's played. Um, I think they're different rushers. I think Aiden has. Uh, much more, you know, power to his game, and Thibodeau is probably more polished as a speed guy right yep. now. Um, but no, I would not have an issue with it because bottom line is, you can get to the quarterback that usually translate, especially in the Big Ten. Uh, you've seen it with guys with Chase Young, uh, the Bosa brothers. Yep, you've seen it with these guys that you, you can get to the quarterback 
in you know big time games in college, it most likely translates over. Now, I don't think Aiden's a polished uh, edge rusher. There looks like there's some still some things maybe in the speed department that he could you know improve yeah. on. But he he is he's a game changer. He's a game Long, changer. He's powerful. He's a and game changer. Here's the other thing I like. He is a game changer at rushing the passer. We've seen that at Penn State at Ohio State. We've seen that him do it at that level. What I think separates him is his ability to set the edge in the run as well. He's a complete player. I think he checks all the boxes, um, and you're getting a – and and Stoney told me – he kind of got on me about this the other day. I think there is something to be said for drafting a local kid. Um, If if all things being equal, if you've got a guy that – like Aiden Hutchinson, if you were to sit there and say, okay – Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, everything is exactly the same. I think it matters that that he's a local kid. And maybe I'm just a little bit jaded or still a little pissed off that at the time they took Aaron Gibson instead of me. <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot that probably does go into that. I will put that out there. Admittedly, I did want to play for the, for, for the uh, Lions, but it didn't work out. I'm fine with it now. Obviously, I'm not. But... I think there is something to be said for the franchise investing in a local kid that can come in and make a difference. The other thing, and again, I don't know, I haven't been in in, in, in Oregon's facilities to see Kayvon Thibodeau work out. I'll admit that. I don't know what that's like. Yeah. But I have seen Aiden Hutchinson work out. I know what his work ethic is. I know how he watches film. I know a lot about this kid, and to me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah that they would take him at number one for, for, for all of the reasons on the field, but for off the field as well. Yeah, and I don't think that, uh, you know, if it does get down to that point where it's him or uh, Thibodeau, um, look, they're both going to be really good players. I don't mm-hmm. think that one of them, you're going to pick one, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and the other one's going to be nothing, right? Uh, yeah. I think both those guys uh, are can be game changers on defense. But they're both hits. They're they're both going to be yeah they're both going to be big time players but uh, yeah I I man I agree with what you said about taking the local kid too I mean uh, high school college you, you everybody that uh, Michigan fans watching him the last four years um, you know you get that kind of excitement back into your pro team uh, yeah I think that go the the that excitement that starts to get the fan base kind of into it buying back into you know Detroit Lions football I think that'll be a that'll be a big step but look I don't think I mean when it when it does get to that point um like you said if all things were are equal I would love to have Hutchinson um but you can't I I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys I really think and especially when you look at the Lions with what they've been struggling at defensively. I mean, there's no pass rush. I mean, that can change your franchise overnight. You look at what, uh, you know, Sam Fran did kind of building up their D-line, right, with Bosa and a bunch of the guys that they got. And you look at uh, Cleveland. I mean, they were stuck in purgatory for years like the Lions, and they go get Miles Garrett, and then they start the rebuild around him. Um, Those guys can be that type of generational talent that can kind of speed up that rebuild a little bit. Well, we're going to talk about the Lions in just a little bit. There's not a whole lot to say about them, but I I do want to talk about this weekend, Michigan, Iowa, uh, Georgia, Alabama, uh, you know, Pitt, Wake Forest. It's, it's going to be a fun championship weekend, and what's riding on and And I think a very underrated game, first that Pitt-Wake Forest game, I think it's going to be underrated. I think it's going to be extremely high scoring. 
uh, and Kenny Pickett still has an outside chance of putting together a Heisman performance mm-hmm. uh, because there's not really a guy that's separated themselves from the pack. Um, but out in the Pac-12, you've got Utah and Oregon, rematch of a, of a game that Utah won a couple weeks ago, knocking Oregon out of the, the, the standings for the college football playoffs. Um, what do you think happens this weekend, and how does it set up for the college football playoffs? I, I don't know if there's going to be any big surprises, um, assuming that Michigan takes care of business, which what what they should. Now, yeah. obviously, the big question is you come off that extreme high, uh, you got to make sure that you know those guys know the job ain't done yet. You're not right? calling you a championship you, game a trap game, are yeah, you? Yeah, you can't. But but you can't you can't show up against Iowa just expecting to win that uh, game. You're going to yep. have to play good football. Um, but I don't think there's going to be any surprises when it comes to at least those top four teams. I think that. Alabama, you know, I don't know. They haven't looked great, right? Auburn, yep. you know, the Auburn blew that game, you know, and Alabama yep. hasn't uh, been, you know. Could Alabama get shut out? It, man, I, you, you could go. It, it could either be I mean, a they, shutout. I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia beats them 38 nothing. I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama beats them 42 to 20. <laughs> it's one yep. of those games where you never know what's going to happen when you get these SEC matchups, especially with the top two teams. But uh, I don't think there's going to be any surprises. I think Georgia's going to beat them, retain that one seed. Uh, the interesting thing to me is going to be what's going to happen tonight with the college football rankings? Is Michigan going to jump to two? Yep. Are they going to jump to three? What where where are they going to be? Because if you're Michigan right now, you're sitting in a really good spot. Assuming that Georgia wins, when that if that puts you in the two seed, now if it's a close game, if man, if it's a close game, can you see and Alabama loses? Can you see Alabama still holding on to that four spot? Either way, and I don't think so because what would happen if Alabama loses? Then that would essentially be Georgia one, Alabama four. They gonna they gonna let them uh, have back to back games in the college football playoffs. I don't think it's gonna happen. But Michigan, you're sitting in a nice spot because if you're sitting at that two seed, now you're looking at a pretty good matchup in the college oh, yeah. football playoff with probably Cincinnati, maybe an Oklahoma State, maybe a Notre Dame, and opposed to maybe being that the four seed the four seed Georgia. where you're yeah where you're looking at Georgia so I think they're going to jump up definitely into the top three probably number two uh, I don't see any surprises though I think just the way that I got to be careful every time I predicted a Michigan win they've lost one time but every other time, like last week I didn't think they were going to win and and they they you know they beat Ohio State pretty handily but well, the, Michigan should they, take they, care of business yeah, just say they don't cover the spread they, yeah they'll, they'll win a close game we'll put it that way <laughs> we'll, we'll <take> that. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do, and I think that Michigan, you're sitting in a really nice spot. I mean, this is a chance to not only get into the playoffs, but to win a playoff game and potentially stare down a national championship. Yep. And Get you, to 60 minutes of football and, look, and see what happens. I think everybody can concede that Georgia has been hands down the best football team uh, in the country this year. I don't think anybody is really going to pick them to lose no matter who they play. Yeah. But you never know, man. There's been some crazy stuff that's happened. You never know. But I think that it's probably going to be uh, Georgia. After this week, it's probably going to be Georgia 1, Michigan 2, probably Cincinnati 3. And depending on what else happens uh, with the Oklahoma State game, maybe Oklahoma State, maybe Notre Dame. So that's that's for tonight? 
you think Alabama drops? No, no, no. This is after oh, this. This is, this after, is, this is weekend. Okay. after this weekend. This is what I think after this weekend. I think Alabama. I think Alabama loses this weekend, and I just can't see the committee putting a two-loss putting, team in. Not only putting a two-loss team in, but also making Georgia and Alabama play again. Yeah, you know, by a, a month four. down the road, right? Because you're not going to put them three. They lose. You're going to put yeah. them at four. What are you going to do? A rematch a month from now, especially if it's a handed. You know, if it's a hey, if it's a twenty-one twenty game, maybe. Uh, if Georgia comes out and, and they beat him by two, three scores, How'd you like Al- to be there's Kirby no way smart. Alabama's getting in there. <laughs> yeah, I'd just like to be Kirby smart. You get your first win against uh, your mentor, and then the college football playoff committee says, you know what, you did it once. Let's yeah, see if you can do, do it again. again. <laughs> <laughs> that would, yeah, no, that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be right. And especially when you have the other teams, assuming Oklahoma State wins this week, that are probably more deserving only with the one loss. But um, it's going to be a fun weekend. I think that George, or I think that Oregon – uh, Utah game is Friday night, and then the rest of them we get on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, the Michigan Iowa game, obviously the eight p.m. game. That's going to be um, it's going to be it's going to be the marquee matchup game. Uh, yeah. Iowa, you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> you don't well, know what you you know you're going to get. Power football. They want to yeah. run the ball. They want to get in that I formation and just run the ball forty times. Um, and you know their defense isn't bad either. But you look at uh, dropping two in a row with, with with Purdue and Wisconsin. I mean, they only scored seven points in those games. Yeah, you know, fourteen total in those two games that they dropped. But uh, I think Michigan should definitely take care of business. Yeah, um, Iowa has struggled uh, at the quarterback position. Um, started the season off with Spencer Petras. They moved to Alex Padilla, and their offense really hasn't been much better. Um, Tyler Goodson, I think, is a uh, a good weapon out of the backfield. Um, and then I think that their best player, their best football player, is Tyler Linderbaum. Their center, center. yeah, I think he's a yeah, he's going to be a high stud. Pick. He's a stud. Now let's see, let's see what Cincinnati can do. I know Houston isn't, uh, you know, a premier program, but Houston is. Well, I, I think they're only a one loss team too. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, shoot, they. I got to look it up. They might be undefeated in the conference too. I here. Let me uh, take Houston one. is currently ranked twenty four. And they are a one-loss yeah. team. They lost yeah. the first game of the season to Texas Tech, and then they've won out. So they've played a very similar schedule to uh, what Cincinnati has uh, played. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, man, if Cincinnati I- – I think this is their chance uh, to play a national televised game. A statement To game. maybe show uh, a lot of these doubters and people who don't believe in the non-Power 5 teams getting in the playoffs to make a case for themselves. Um, but one tweet I wanted to read you to real quick was uh, Todd McShay. I know he took a lot of – did you see the tweet he sent I out? I didn't, know. Man, he took a lot of heat for this one. And I got to say, I kind of agree with him, but I know it's not going to happen. He said, a lot can happen here in this next week, but if it comes down to Ohio State and Cincinnati for the number four spot in the college football playoff, Ohio State is simply better. The two losses might keep them out, but I want to see the best four teams. I I've been a proponent of this. I have said this time and time again. He took heat, man. I'm looking at some of the – and he's taking heat. But I got to say – He's not wrong. I agree with him. I mean, Ohio State is still, in my opinion, better than Cincinnati, better than Notre Dame, better than Oklahoma State. Yes, they lost to uh, Michigan, who's going to be the number two team in the country. Yeah, they were number five going into last week. They, yeah. you had you had number two versus number five, 
And I mean, quite honestly, they they might just swap positions right now. Yeah. When it comes down to it, I mean, how sweet would that be if you had Georgia? Uh, let, let's just say Georgia at Ohio State, and then you had so you, that that would put what Oklahoma State at number three. Yeah, I'm assuming. And you had Michigan, Oklahoma State. Ohio State beats Georgia. Michigan <laughs> beats Oklahoma State. Yeah, let's go, baby. Let's fire it up again. It's a fun game to play. What if Oklahoma State and Cincinnati both lose? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so and you could have Alabama Ohio loses. State, Notre Dame. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. If, oh, I don't want to play this game. What if Oklahoma State, okay. Cincinnati, um, and Michigan all lose? I don't want to. I don't like this game anymore. I don't like this game anymore. Screw you! Oh my goodness! Could you imagine the movement? Jeez, you yeah. might get Wake Forest back into the playoffs. Oh my goodness! No, I don't like this game anymore. Let's go. Let's talk about the, the team that you cover on a on a day in day out basis. Um, you mentioned Aiden Hutchinson, or I did, and we talked about him. You know, coming to or Kayvon Thibodeau and creating some ability to rush the passer. I mean, the defense has played well in if there's one glaring deficiency is that they can't put any pressure on a quarterback. Yeah. And offensively, I mean, pick your glaring deficiency. Um, is this team really going to go over? I mean, when you look at the schedule, they're going to have to shock somebody. I mean, they right? got they got Minnesota at home this weekend. Yeah, and Minnesota's been playing some really good football lately. I know they just lost to San Fran, but they took them to the weeks, wire. A couple in weeks ago, they took out Green Bay. I mean, Green yeah. Bay is probably uh, one of the top three teams in NFL right now. Um, you know, it just felt like. And we talked about it, man, maybe week one, you know, on the podcast. I said, hopefully, I think I could see him splitting uh, with Chicago and Minnesota. And unfortunately, they feel like they've already blown those chances, right? You had a chance yeah. to beat Minnesota once already. And obviously, last week, you had a chance to beat uh, Chicago and just couldn't get it done. But um, I don't know, man. I think it's just they're going to – it's it's going to be a tough – it's going to be tough to find a win because you have Minnesota – you go to Denver, right? Then you yep. got Arizona. I think we all know that one's going to go. Maybe at Atlanta or at Seattle. Those are two teams that uh, look like they're they've been very up and down. But um, I'll tell you what, I don't. They can't get a win unless they figure out what they until they figure out how to score points. Yeah, it is really hard in the NFL to play. You know, what is it? Twelve games now. Yeah, 11. Um, 11 games now and only score over 20 points one time and it came in week one and right. most of those came in the last six minutes of the game when it was you know prevent defense down by 30 uh you haven't scored more than 19 points since week one and you look at the bye week they come out and score uh you know what was it 16 against pittsburgh 13 against chicago and 13 against yeah um that's you know, kind of the gold standard too, Cleveland. right? If if your defense can hold them under twenty points, like that's what you—that's a conversation. You'd expect to win games. You'd expect to win games, yeah. and if if Detroit had just simply scored twenty points, they'd have five wins. Yeah, and that's right, and that's an argument you can make. With it's just been so crazy how you look at this team, and I know 
early in training camp, everybody's like, this defense going to be terrible. And then right. you look at actually how they've been playing, and the defense has actually been pretty good when it comes to not letting up a ton of points. Yep. I mean, you hold teams to 16, 13, 16. Uh, you would expect to probably win two of those games at least. Um, but, yeah, offensively, it's just uh, they got to figure something out. And I don't know if that's, uh, you know, I don't know how you – go back to giving Anthony Lynn the play calls after you stripped him from it three weeks ago. Yeah. You can't just say, oh, well, he tried it here. It's yours again. Yeah. Um, but you got to find something different because it is just, uh, even if you score 20 points a game, you're still probably the 25th highest scoring offense, <laughs> which isn't good. Right. But at least you're winning a couple games. Um, I don't see it. I, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening this week. Uh, you know, they did luck out with not having to play Dalvin Cook the first time these teams met, and they're going to yeah. have the same situation again. He's not going to play this week. Yeah, no DeAndre Swift, uh, But though. you're down DeAndre Swift, who's really been their only offense, mm-hmm. uh, especially since the bye week. Um, I, I got to tell you, it's, it's going to be tough. They're going to have to they're going to have to find a way to put one game together where just, you know, everything goes right and they get the passing game going and the defense continues to play the way they're playing. Um, but I think you would be a fool to think that they're going to win. I just yeah. – you just haven't seen it. And usually when you get to this point of the season, you are who you are. And uh, I really hope they find a way to win one just yeah. because you see how hard these guys work. You see nobody's giving up on the coaches, staff. Coaches aren't – you know, they're not giving up on players. Uh, you see still how hard they work, and, you know, they just – they. They got to figure it out, man. It's yeah. just been frustrating. It's been frustrating. I know it's been frustrating for those guys, but you want them to at least experience once that you know winning locker room after a game, and especially for Coach Campbell, the young players on this team who have stepped up. You want them to experience. You want them to reap the reward of getting to celebrate at least one time. And it's going to be hard to not win a game. I mean, it always is in the NFL. You figure you probably luck yourself into one. Um, but at this point of the season, you know, I don't know when it's going to come. Well, and, the, and they've got a buffer. They can win one and not worry about losing their draft status. Yeah. I, I mean, mean Jets and Houston, Houston, two and three wins. Yeah. I mean, Houston's got two wins. Jacksonville's got two wins. And, and let's – I mean, it is still possible to get a win. I mean, Jacksonville beat the Bills. And I know the Bills have struggled offensively, but it's still the team that was in the, the AFC Championship game last year. Yeah. And the Jets got three wins. Um, Seattle, uh, which is is absolute shock. Now, I know uh, Russell Wilson's been hurt um, throughout a lot of this year, but he's been back and has lost what three in a row. Yeah, they've um, they've some going on in Seattle. But so. you're right; they're, they're, anything could happen. I mean, you look at some of the games that have already made you go, "Wow!" Yeah. Um, but it feels like the Lions already might have had that chance. Yeah, well, doesn't it? I mean, it, 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 when you go back to Baltimore and Minnesota, and even the last three games. Um, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Chicago. You had a chance to win all three of those games, and you couldn't do it. And that's the thing with this team is how much longer can this defense keep playing that way? Yep. Um, because it's it's hard to expect them to go out and keep teams under twenty points. It just is, and and it's nothing against uh, the, you know how their effort or anything like that. But it's just, when you don't have the playmakers, mm-hmm. it's at some point the dam's going to break open. 
Yep. Well, hopefully, um, in terms of college football, that dam breaks open this weekend. We'll get a chance to uh, talk about our expectations of the college football playoffs because those final rankings will come out on Sunday. Um, We're going to have a Monday edition next week so that we can address it um, ASAP as well as what happens uh, between the Lions and the Vikings at Ford Field this Saturday. Uh, For TJ Lang, I'm John Jansen. We'll talk to you next week.